You know, I get the question all the time. Conrad, I know you help people save money and you help people refinance, but could you actually help me buy a house? Yeah, buddy. Come on now. Buywithconrad.com is your hookup. And let me give you a heads up. You don't need a huge down payment to buy a house in 2022. In fact, you may not need a down payment at all. There are still loan programs out there that can get you out of your apartment and into a brand new house with no money down. And I know it sounds too good to be true, but buddy, we're doing it pretty routinely. And you don't have to be a veteran, but yeah, we can still help our veterans get into a house with no money down. But more importantly, we're going to help you get on the path to buy a house this year. You see, a lot of times we have these conversations and folks say, well, I've got a little bit of time left on my lease, or I'm not sure exactly when I'll be ready, or how much of a down payment do I need to save up? My advice, don't get ahead of yourself. Let's start the pre-approval process. Let's know what your new house payment could look like. You'll tell us how much down payment you want to have. Maybe the answer is zero. That's cool. And then you'll tell us what you want your monthly payment to be. And then you go shopping for your dream home. But step one starts at buywithconrad.com. And hey, did you know that when you go to file your taxes as a homeowner, you're going to get a statement back from your mortgage company that's going to say, hey, you can write off this amount of interest this year. How much of your rent are you writing off this year? None of it. Oh, and by the way, what's your interest rate on your rent? Well, that would be a hundred percent, pal. You know, you can do better than a hundred percent interest. That's what rent is. Stop throwing your money away. And by the way, we can even help you get rid of your current house and get into a better house. If you already have a house, but you think, you know what? It's time for a new place. We can help you at buywithconrad.com. That's buywithconrad.com. B-U-Y with Conrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And be sure to ask about our green light underwrite. We can actually get your file completely underwritten, and that allows you to negotiate like a cash buyer at buywithconrad.com. Well, he won a gold medal with a broken freaking neck. He's a real athlete, so give him your respect. He's got intensity, integrity, intelligence, too. We are broadcasting from the Blue Chew Studios. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ANGLE at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. Hey, this is Kurt Angle. Welcome to the Kurt Angle Show. On the show today, I'm joined by a man who's done it all in professional wrestling and one of the greatest to ever do it. But first, let me introduce to you my co-host, Paul Bromwell. How you doing today, Paul? Kurt, I'm excited. Been looking forward to this for quite a while, and I'm not here to waste any of the demo god's time. Let's jump into it, man. All right. Here he is from AEW and his podcast talk is Jericho, the man, the legend, the myth, Chris Jericho. How you doing today, Chris? Oh, it's good. I'm glad we finally connected. We were uh, miscommunicating. I was waiting like, when's Kurt going to call me? Did he forget about <laughs> me? Am I not on the show now? I have the wrong email. I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> we made it baby we did make it <laughs> well listen hey chris uh we're just gonna jump in man it's great to have you with us and uh, i know you and uh, kurt ran together for quite a long time back in the wwe when you joined the wwf though kurt wasn't on the roster yet when do you first remember hearing uh, about kurt or you know hearing about the buzz about him coming in for the first time it was pretty shortly after i got there like i was only there um, 
probably maybe five or six months before Kirk came in. So obviously there was a huge buzz or they were showing the, I remember showing all the vignettes of the three eyes and all that sort of thing. So obviously I knew Kurt Angle's name. I'd heard about him. Uh, I heard about the, the ECW experience and kind of all that sort of thing, but um, it was, it was a big deal. It was a big deal to have Kurt Angle, uh, especially, you know, a legit gold medal Olympic uh, Olympic hero. What we didn't know is how much of a natural Kurt would be. And we, we talked about this when you, when you were on my cruise, Kurt, just, just how he took to it so well. And uh, that was very refreshing because you never know when you get athletes from other sports coming in, some guys get it, some guys don't get it in their head and, and you figured it out very quickly. So, so, so we knew we had something special. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's your hey, show, so I got to put you over. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It is my show. <laughs> hey, you debuted in the WWF right before me. Right. Between us and the Radicals early the next year, do you think there was a bigger influx of talent, top talent to the company? I mean, absolutely. It's interesting because I've been fortunate in three separate companies um, to be what I thought was the best roster in the world. I thought in WCW in about 98, probably 97, 98, the roster was unbelievably talented. Um, cause you had the, the, the top is that when WCW is winning in the ratings. Yeah. Yeah. The 83 weeks and all that stuff, because you had obviously Hogan and, and, uh, flair and Piper and, and macho man and all those guys who were kind of drawing the big buy rates. And then you had Hall and Nash and that sort of thing, the NWO. But then you also had me and Dean and Chris and Eddie and, and Mysterio and Juventude and all of the Mexican guys that they brought in, and all of kind of the the random guys from everywhere. So it was a really loaded roster. And then I think we experienced that again in the early 2000s when, when, when Kurt and I first started because I always say there was a legit probably 12 main event money drawing guys. There was me and Kurt and, and uh, Undertaker and Triple H and Steve and Rock and you know you make full you can go down the list you can Kane, but you could take any one of the guys and put them in with anybody. And then when Benoit kind of got to the next level and, and Eddie got to the next level, and I think we're experiencing that now in AEW where there's just such a great roster of talent. Um, it, 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 it's hard to to keep up, and you could literally have probably three hundred great match main event matches right now in AEW as well. So I find that those three eras of my career, we were very fortunate. So there was a huge influx of talent, but we all came in at the same time, Kurt, which was great because I think the main event scene in WWE at the time was getting a little stale because they had Steve Taker, Sean, Triple H, Brett was gone. Sean was kind of out of it. So they're kind of were running it just around those names. And then when we all came in, suddenly it, it, it blew up. Now, it, it certainly did. And I want to ask both of you guys this question. I'll start with you, Chris. Having you know your first WrestleMania match at WrestleMania 2000, it included Chris Benoit, had to be a, a big-time achievement. What do you guys remember of that match? Well, I, okay, so Kurt was the double champion. And once again, it's his first WrestleMania. I think he'd been in the company for like six months. I was like, what the fuck? How, how many more belts can they give this guy? <laughs> Can you give him the, the women's belt too and the, 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 the little people's belt or whatever? So he was the, the intercontinental champion and the European champion. So, um, and here's a, here's a, here's a story probably never even 
told this one before, but so, so it was a three-way match and whoever wins the first fall wins the first belt. Whoever wins the second fall wins the second belt. And Kurt was, was in the unenviable position of losing both his titles without being pinned. Cause I pinned Chris with one and, and then Chris pinned me with the other and Chris won the intercontinental and I won the European. And I remember that Chris won first and I won second. I said, it doesn't make sense. That <laughs> it, was, it was right? back ass word. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would you have the intercontinental championship decided first, which was a famous, you know, legendary belt and then have the European champion second, which is not really as, as high up. But I remember, I remember going to Pat, and because and saying like either we should change the order of who wins first or change who wins the title. So like if you want me to win last and put the Intercontinental title on me right. and put the European on Chris, or if you want it to stay the same, then have me win the European first and have Chris uh, get it second. And I wasn't trying to politic for the Intercontinental Championship, although it totally would come across that way. And that's why I said I can't even talk to Vince about this because he's going to think I'm trying to politic for the Intercontinental Championship. But I went to talk to Pat because Pat was always pretty smart about what was going on. He's like, ah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's what Vince wants to do. It's not worth fighting for. And I, no, none of us had any power at the time anyway, so I just did it. But I always remember thinking, it makes no fucking sense. Why are you putting the first and the European second? But that that was... You know what? I was in the business six months, and I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this doesn't make sense. The intercontinental title first. First, European no. second. Oh, it was so <laughs> wrong. I remember, though, considering it was the three of us and all the great matches that the three of us had together, I remember thinking that that one didn't go the way I wanted it to. Uh, and maybe it's just me. I don't think I've ever even watched it back. Maybe the crowd wasn't too hot for it, but something about it, I just didn't feel uh, worked. Did you? Yeah, like no, I, I felt it too. It was yeah. a little off and I don't know what it was, but, uh, you know, you and I had some amazing matches, had some amazing matches with Benoit. And yep. uh, for for that for WrestleMania that that was you know it was a, it was a little bit uh, disappointing how it felt. I agree, and that was also and I'm gonna pull it out if I can find it. That was also uh, the WrestleMania was in Los Angeles. And pulling this out so you guys can see this, it just happens to be behind me. I didn't plan this at all, obviously. But the original plan for that WrestleMania, if you remember, it was a four way title match with a McMahon in every corner. Right. Okay. And it was Rock, Big Show, Triple H, and Mick Foley with, you know, Vince, Shane, Linda, and Stephanie with whoever they were with. The original plan for that match was the four-way was Hunter, Rock, Big Show, and Jericho. And if you think that I'm just saying that because I heard rumors or someone told me, they actually made promotional pieces <laughs> wow. for the match. And this is kind of like the, the, the press kit for, for WrestleMania 2000 was what they called it. So you can see, like, I was never officially told that I was in the match. Right. But why would I be there if yeah. it wasn't true? And there was a billboard on Sunset Boulevard with this exact picture on it. I remember seeing oh. it driving down going, wow, that's really cool that I'm on that. And then they started talking about the four matches. Like, well, I got to be in it. And then I think Vince didn't have – he just didn't have – the um the uh the, uh, the belief in me i guess to put me in that spot yet so he brought mick back that was after mick had retired and i think okay. mick told me that vince offered him you know enough money to pay his kids college educations so he came back 
but that was the original. And what I was holding up for people that aren't watching was a press kit that has the four pictures on there with mine being one of them. So interesting story to think about, right? Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com. But to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean, right now, and just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance. If you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance. Super easy. Goliath Life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes, and you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price, you start the online application immediately, and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork, and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath Life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle, hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Chris, I didn't know that, man. That's pretty amazing. And, and, uh, uh, I'm surprised that Vince didn't believe in you because when you debuted, I mean, your entrance was freaking incredible. You know, the whole Y2J and, uh, you know, when you first came out, you could tell you were a huge star and, well, uh, thanks. But, but the thing about this and you'll, you'll appreciate this Kirk, because it's so much different now, but there, there was a lot, a lot of politics at that time. And when I say this, it's not from a, a bitter point of view or an angry point of view. It's just the way it was. So to come in, there was a lot of, of legit heat between Hunter and myself uh, involved China involved uh, a little bit X-Pac as well. But, but Hunter and I just didn't like each other. And I think Hunter had such a uh, pull at the time, such power that if he didn't like me, of course, even if he's not going out of his way to bury me to Vince, I'm sure anytime my name came up, it would be like, oh, that guy, come on. You know, it's just kind of the way the business worked at the time. So I think that might have had a lot to do with it. You know, you know, you don't want Jericho in here. He's not a big enough name. Bring back Foley or, or see if Austin's available or whatever it may be. And that's probably kind of one of the reasons. And once again, I'm not saying that I've heard this. I just can tell. I can read the room for the the past that we had. We're really cool now, but at the time, we just fucking didn't like each other. Didn't work. So that had a lot to do with my standing of where I was at the time. 
Well, I don't think that was anything new for Triple H. Well, yeah, it was for all of us went through it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think you even went through it a bit too. But you always came across you weren't you weren't. I mean, I'm sure you were, but you didn't come across political because, like you said, you were very new to the business, to. and you were instantly likable, and you had the legit street cred. So I don't think you were ever a danger, quote unquote, because they knew like whatever we tell Kurt, he'll do it. And he'll do if we tell Jericho something, he might question it, meaning, well, if we want to do it this way, maybe try it this way. It might work better. And they didn't like that. Some guys didn't like that at the time. So I really got hammered a lot at first because of that. But it's also up. (laughs) Well, yeah, but also it was because of that quality that I was able to make it as far as I did. And probably the reason why I'm still here today, why we even started AEW is because I always spoke my mind and stood up for what I thought was right. Uh, it, it didn't, wasn't me. Like sometimes it's me like, listen, I, I called Vince one night when Cena was first starting our first pay-per-view I said, Vince, you have to let me put this guy over. Right. Why? He doesn't mean anything. <laughs> I said, he, 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 he could mean something, but if you just put him on this big pay-per-view and I win, then what's the point? Cause he had just done the big match with you, Kurt, and it was great. And, 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 and you, you beat him, which as you should have, but if we keep fucking beating him, it doesn't matter. So he did a great job with Kurt. Kurt beat him. He'll do a great job with me. And what if he beats me? Oh, my gosh. He's starting to rise. So it wasn't ever about I have to win or I have to do this. It was what's best for the for the show and what's best for the match. And because I had an opinion and never cared about expressing it, that got me heat at the beginning. But then it got me respect in the end. Right. Well, knowing what you know now in the business, what would you change about that early WWF run that you had? Um, probably would uh, play the game a little bit better. No, no pun intended. And maybe, maybe try and I don't. It's hard to say, Kurt. Maybe try to fit in a bit more. But it wasn't like I wasn't trying to fit in. But I remember my my first night in the company. Obviously, I did this scathing promo on the entire WWE dressing room. Uh, no, Vince Russo knew all about it. I don't know if Vince knew about it. I don't know if Taker knew about it. I don't know if Hunter knew about it. They could be watching going, who the, who the hell is this guy? Who does he think he is? Because the wrestling war was real between WCW and WWF. And I wasn't trying to come in. Like, I just thought this is a heel. I'll come in and bury the company. And then, you know, we'll work our programs out of that. Maybe I could have been a little bit more cognizant, like, uh, these guys really think that you're serious and they're really starting not to like you. So maybe pull back a bit. Um, my second promo ever, I, I called Undertaker boring. I said, you're boring. And the sad, terrible thing is he had just done, and it, we laugh about it to this day. He had just done this super long, fucking boring promo <laughs> about taking Big Show to the desert to try and teach him how to be tough and feeding him scorpion meat and drinking water out of a puddle. And he was trying to make a point, but it, it just went on and on and on. And, and I was supposed to cut him off and call him boring. But this night, he really was boring. So I came out and said it. What was supposed to get heat, a lot of people were like, well, we can't argue with that. And I was too dumb to realize it, you know? So that got me heat. So right out of the gate, I was just making the wrong decisions. Uh, and maybe I would back off a little bit on that and just, like I said, read the room a little bit better and realize that this war is real to these guys. It's not to me because I was just so happy to be in WWF after all these years of trying to get there. So maybe I could have just been a little smarter in that respect. 
Chris, I got to ask, as you were talking about that, did you have, did you feel like you had a sounding board back then? You were new, Hunter was in Vince's ear. Who, uh, is, was there a sounding board as you were being the squeaky wheel that was saying, hey, Chris, no. maybe say it this way. Was there anybody no, like the, that for you? There wasn't because I didn't have any friends there, quote unquote. You know, like you mentioned the radicals, like the radicals came to WWE about the same time as Kurt did, which was, I think, January, February 2000, paraphrasing. I got there in August. So, so, I mean, I knew a couple of guys. I knew Adam, uh, Edge, and Christian a little bit from Canadian Indies. Um, I knew Big Show from WCW, but he was he was miserable then, too. I couldn't really talk to him. And I didn't really know anybody else. And, and the first guy that I really connected with was a The Rock, who was always great. He was always above that stuff. Um, and the other guy was Never Pat political. Patterson. Never no, political. Not political. I mean, he, he, he could be political at times, but not to intentionally bury somebody. Right. You know, he would never do that. And he was the guy that gave me a lot of straight up advice and I barely knew him. And Pat Patterson too. I, I really got along with Pat right out of the gate. Cause I think Pat understood what I could bring to the table very early on. So, and that's why I was close to Pat till until the end of his life. Like he was a really, I call him a, a, a psychology wrestling Jedi. He was the Jedi of that locker room and he understood a little bit what I was going through. He didn't really kind of ever like, you know, Hey, get him on your side, but he would tell me, this is what you should do. Try this, do this, try this, do that. So I had a couple guys that could kind of have sounding boards with, but not with long-term histories. And then when Chris and Eddie and Dean and Perry came in, then it was like, okay, these are my friends of, you know, years now. And they're going through the same thing I'm going through. And I think, Kurt, you kind of by proxy got thrown in with us because you were kind of like us, a guy who could really work that was new to the politics of the WWE. And I think we kind of took you in uh, because you were the young waif on the- You accepted me, yes. Yeah, accepted you. You had nowhere else to go. (laughs) I I had asked because I knew JR was really high on bringing you in. So I didn't know with his position if he was someone that- you felt like you could go to a little bit too. It could, but, but, but here's something else too. Like it was very early on, I think maybe only a month or two, uh, maybe a little bit, because I was working with China. They put me in a program with China. And this is after, like Kurt said, my first uh, entrance into WWE was huge. And then if you, if you go back and look, I came in here and then slowly went down there. Like I was, didn't, I was on Sunday night heat with D'Lo Brown. I think three weeks after I was, you know, toe to toe with the rock on a microphone. Um, so I, I think I think uh, it was a little bit tough. And then when he, they put me with China, Vince said, I'm going to put you with China. And I was like, God bless her, but I didn't want to fucking do it. But it's like, all right, I'm a pro, whatever he wants. And he goes, and I want you not to treat her like a woman. I want you to work with her strong style. Don't hurt her, but don't don't go easy on her. And I was like, great. I did that and 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 she didn't like it and Hunter didn't like it. Now she was fucking stiff. She worked very <laughs> she was. Stiff. Yeah. She was, wasn't she, Kurt? Yeah. So and I I once again, we're not trying to hurt each other, but I don't have a problem giving you one back, you know? Like and, and then at one point I got her something, she had a little bit of a bruise under her eye. Uh, and that caused a huge problem. So then we actually were in Tampa. We had a, a show in Tampa, and I got called into Vince's office, and in the office was Vince. Blackjack Lanza and Jim Ross. 
And Vince tore a strip off of me. It was brutal. He said, you're not worth the paper. The contract is printed on. And I was fed a bill of goods when I brought you in and you're green as grass. And, and Jim and, and, and Jack were sitting there and, and like you said, Jim liked me (laughs) and Jack liked me because I had a, 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 you know, a connection with Winnipeg where Jack spent a lot of time in the AWA. They wouldn't say a word. And it was all Vince just hammering me and basically said, if you, how's this, how's this for pressure? If you don't have a good match tonight, you're fired. And I'm going to put you with X-Pac. And if you don't have a good match with him, you're out. And I was like, oh my God. Talk, it just kills your confidence, you know? And if you're, if you don't have confidence in wrestling, you're done. So I went and had the match with, 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 with Sean, who obviously Sean is one of the best, even though he was in with the Hunter crew and a little bit off his rocker at the time, he still was a pro and, and he could have sandbagged me and they could have got rid of me right then and there, but he did what he was told. And I, I know, I know what he was told by Vince, have a good match with him. Don't you dare sandbag him, have a good match with him, had the good match. And then uh, afterwards I called Benoit who called Bret Hart who called me and Brett said, Vince likes to tear people down and take away all of their confidence and then build you back up in his image. And that's exactly if you come from another company. Bingo. How dare you come from another company with some steam and some, you know, some confidence and some ideas. And so that was the first step into becoming a, you know, reshaped into a WWE uh, superstar, as they say was and and listen i think i would have to have pretty much had the worst match in history for vince to really fire me i think he was he was he was testing me he was putting you know he's sending me a message and i responded accordingly you know okay guys it's too late for kurt angle of course we learned that the hard way back in i think it was may of 02 edge had other ideas for kurt angle and now he unfortunately is bald but there's still time for me and you Listen, I got to be honest. I didn't think this was even something I had to worry about. My dad used to joke forever. Hey, my hair turned gray. It didn't turn loose. But then this past April, I saw the back of dad's head and thought it's going to happen. I immediately knew what to do. I went to keeps you keep, you see, there are only two FDA approved medications in the world that can prevent hair loss. Keeps offers both keeps offers you a simple stress-free way to keep your hair. They've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, meaning you don't even have to leave your home. It's also low cost too. treatment start at just 10 bucks a month and keeps offers generic versions. They've got discreet packaging and proven results, but don't take my word for it. Check this out. Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. Now here's the heads up. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Kurt to receive your first month of treatment free. That's keeps.com slash Kurt to get your first month free. That's keeps.com slash Kurt. But it was one of those things where I'll never forget just sitting there going like, I'm going to have to go back to Japan. Like I'm done. Like after a month and a half, like I'm done. But it worked out differently, but it was, Brett was right. He, he wanted to tear me down to build me up. And that was the start of it. You know what, Chris, at the time, I couldn't understand it, but you know, when you and me and Chris Benoit basically all started together pretty yeah. much, you started a little bit earlier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
but they pushed me to the moon and they held you guys back. And we all started at the same time. We were wrestling each other. We were getting each other over, putting each other over. And I thought we were all going to kind of come yeah. up together. And it was like, you guys stayed behind. And it was like, what's going on? Well, I mean, we, we definitely had to work harder because you, you already said it, Kurt. You already know the answer is that you were a WWE guy. Right. That you was came in and you were, you were a homegrown, just like Undertaker, just like Rock. You know, Steve went through when he first got there. Hunter went through when he first got there. I, when you got there from WCW, you were on, uh, instantly the enemy. In Vince's weird mind, you know, who cares where you worked before? You're here now. <laughs> I'm, I'm in. Like, let's do this. Tell me what, what you need me to do, and, and I'll do it. He always had an issue with WCW, and that was a problem for him. But I remember, and, 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 you, and you are right, Kurt, it was the three of us but the door finally opened. It was fully loaded 2000 in the summertime and it was a triple main event. And it was one of the smartest ideas Vince had. It was, and I might get this wrong, but it was you and taker, right? Kurt. Yeah. Yes. So it's undertaker versus Kurt angle. It's the rock versus Chris Benoit with Shane McMahon for the title. And it's Chris Jericho versus Triple H in the last man standing. And all three matches were whatever a five-star match were, all three of them were them. Mm -hmm. And that's when I was like, this is we're, we still, we still had some issues, but this was the time where Vince went, you guys shut your fucking mouth, or maybe said, I'm gonna listen to you or not listen to you. This is what I'm doing. It's the three of them versus the three of my top guys, because Steve was gone by then. He was hurt, his neck was done. And that was or and that was kind of where it started to, to like all the politics got left behind and who's WCW and who's not because the three of us came through big time. And Kurt, you did get pushed because of being the homegrown guy, right. but that's when there was, nobody could say anything else anymore. Not even Hunter because Hunter and I worked like the, the guys that didn't like each other the most. And I think Vince also facilitated a lot of that hatred between us because whenever we were in the ring, we, we had a magic match. It was amazing. And I think Vince, I think he did it with Brett and Sean too. I think he stroked the fires between them because whenever they're in the ring, it came out on screen. Right. And Vince is the master manipulator, right? So speaking of uh, stripping things down, he purchases WCW. He, he, he snuffs them out. And uh, it's long been said that's the most money that was blown by the WWF. Do they, you think they could have done anything differently to fix how that whole transition went down? They could have done a million things differently, but it, it didn't matter. The, the thing with WWE, and you can analyze it every day, and Kurt knows what I'm going to say. You can say this should have happened. It doesn't matter. It's Vince's company. Pat used to say all the time, it's Vince's ice cream shop. Sometimes he wants chocolate. Sometimes he wants vanilla. Scoop the fucking ice cream. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, there's a million things. They could, they could have run that invasion pay-per-view for a year. The invasion pay-per-view was the highest payoff I ever got in the WWE besides two or three WrestleManias. It beat, I was in 12 WrestleManias. It beat nine of them. That's how big it was. It was a giant, giant check. And the match, Kurt, you might've been in, I don't remember, but it was a 10-man match. Yeah, there's I'm 10 gonna... guys and I got the biggest think about that. How much money did that pay-per-view make to pay the 10 guys in the main event? I don't know anyone else got. I heard it was like the fourth highest pay-per-view buy in the ever. In history. Yeah. So what if that was the first one and then you went going? Vince wasn't interested. He'd been at war with WCW for so long. He bought it. He got a big he got a big blow off uh, from it. And he said, you're done. And that was his goal. He wants to kill it, squash it, end it done. And that's what he did. 
Well, you becoming undisputed champion at Armageddon, you know this was originally slated to be my win. I, I don't know, know if you, you know, <laughs> but you but you you have to prove it. You don't have this. Okay, okay. You have to prove it. <laughs> Hold on. This is what I think. Tell the story. I think that Vince was holding you back again. Um, right. uh, what he did is a month before the pay-per-view, he came to me and said, hey, I want you to be our undisputed champion. I'm going right. to combine the two world titles and make you the first undisputed champion in history. So three weeks goes by, and about a week before the pay-per-view, Vince comes up to me and says, hey, I changed my mind. I want Chris Jericho to do it. He has a lot of momentum right now, and I don't want to end it. And I think this is really when, you know, mm. uh, when he changed his mind about you and Benoit and he started pushing you guys the way you guys should have been pushed at the beginning. Right. And so uh, he said, hey, are you OK with that? <laughs> like, what am I going to say? No, I'm not OK with that. I want to be undisputed champion. Yeah. And I, I obviously said, yeah, Chris deserves it. And uh, I'm OK with it. And, and uh, you know, it was just funny that he asked me if I was okay with it. Like I was going to be able to stop him from giving it. And you wouldn't have been, but it's cool that he showed you that respect. That is cool. Yeah. I mean, cause once again, Vince, it's Vince's, you know, he can do what he wants. I mean, I remember he sat me down once uh, a couple months before whatever WrestleMania it was and said, uh, it's going to be you, you and Kevin Owens in the main event of WrestleMania, and you're going to win the title. It's going to be your baby face WrestleMania moment. Cause at the time we had the hottest story on the show, a festival of friendship and all that sort of thing. And a week later he changed it uh, to Brock and Goldberg for the title. And, 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 and that was it. And what am I going to say? Like, Hey, you told me like, it is what it dude, it is. What it is. You can, you can change it. We could be standing in gorilla and he goes, Hey, uh, Kurt and Chris, I'm going to put Paul in there. And, and, and Kurt, you, you're not on the show tonight. You'd be like, what? But yeah, that's just how it was. Whenever he wants, whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah. 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 And it's a famous story. I've told it b- before, but I had heard you had told me that you were going over for it. And then Pat mentioned something as Vince talked to you. And I said, no, he goes, well, he's going to talk to you. I was like, okay. And that was about a week before, uh, two weeks before. And then a week before that, I worked with Austin on Raw. And Austin beat me. And I said to Paul E, because I always trusted Paul E, um, because from working with him in ECW, I said, does this make sense for me to lose to Steve if I'm going to be in this four-way tournament? And, you know, does it kind of take away the possibility that I might win in the fans' eyes? And, and, and Paul eats classified goes, trust me, just do it. Because <laughs> you're going to win. He didn't say that, though. He just said that. And I was like, okay, well, there's two people now, but Kurt told me that. Yeah. And Kurt's not a worker. You, you tell, we called you Canary Kurt because you could not tell a lie. When you were told something, you would say it. And then Pat kind of made a weird illusion. And then Steve made a weird illusion. But Vince still hasn't talked to me yet. So I don't know what the fuck to do. So uh, I'm in catering in San Diego. That's the, where the pay-per-view was. And this is when Vince used to still eat with the boys. There was a time he would he would sit around with the I boys. I remember, yeah. Yeah. And he, he was there with Undertaker and they were – not with me, but I was kind of sitting here and they were just kind of off ear earshot, but they knew I could hear me and to make sure Vince talked louder than normal. Hey, hey, Taker. Yes, Vince. You know how how the you know how you know the business is going down the toilet? How? Because we're putting the title on Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> and then he walks away and I'm like, is, 
Then wow, man. And this is why, like, I remember this. When Kurt Angle won the title, there's like 10,000 angles in the ring. When freaking <laughs> Bret Hart won the title, every damn family member of the world wins. When I won the title, there's nobody there. And my wife was mad and my dad was mad. I'm like, why didn't you tell us? I didn't know. I found about it three hours ago. <laughs> it was giving me, why you, I would have been there. I didn't know. I didn't believe it. So uh, that was the first, plan for it. Yeah. yeah, that was it. That was the first title reign. And, you know, once again, it's one of those things. It was, it was uh, uh, Vince probably flip-flopped a bit at the time because Hunter was hurt. He had torn his quad. I'm sure had he not been hurt, he would have been in that instead of me. Uh, but he wasn't. So I think Vince said, well, Kurt's made rock, rock and Steve are legendary, iconic Kurt's made. Let's put it on Jericho, give him the rub. And hopefully he can, he can help bring the business uh, up while Hunter is out. Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? What interferes with your happiness? Check out betterhelp.com slash angle. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. They'll allow you to connect in a safe and private online environment. It really is so convenient. And you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and they've even got financial aid available. The service is available for clients worldwide. Find the particular expertise you need online. Don't limit yourself to counselors located near you. By the way, licensed professional counselors are also there who specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, sleeping, trauma, anger, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and even self-esteem. Anything you share is confidential. It's convenient. It's professional. It's affordable. And we recommend you check out their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com. And by the way, BetterHelp has been such a sensation and so helpful across all of America that they're now recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com angle. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com angle. That's betterhelp.com angle. That's betterhelp.com slash angle. And we thank BetterHelp for sponsoring today's podcast. Speaking of uh, of great moments, you both have wrestled Shawn Michaels on the grandest stage of them all. Chris, how good is Shawn in these big time moments? WrestleMania? Well, um, he, he's Mr. WrestleMania. You know what I mean? And Shawn was a guy that... Uh, much like a lot of guys, I mean, Edge went through it and uh, Punk went through it mentally. Christian went through it. You know, you're talking about guys that were gone from the business and thought they were never going to come back. And Sean had two stages of his career. He had the first stage of his career, which was brilliant, but it also came with a lot of baggage because Sean was, was out of control. Then there's stage two of Sean, where I think he came back for one match just to see what was going to happen he really enjoyed it, and he had no intentions of going forward. This is a true story. If he was here, he would tell you this. They did the street fight with Sean and Hunter, 
I believe that was at SummerSlam 2002. And he kind of just was involved, I think, backstage doing promos, whatever. And we were in Orlando and I had a talk, uh, a highlight reel. And Sean was my guest. It was the first time we had ever been in the ring together. Obviously, I have a huge uh, respect for Sean. He was one of my inspirations to get in the business. In my opinion, still, if, you, if you're going to say, say someone is, the, is the, the greatest of all time, if I had to choose one, I would choose Sean. Um, we went in there. We did the, the, the promo. And I was on his case. And you're washed up or whatever I said. And he ended up super kicking me at the end of it. But we had real chemistry and a, and a real moment. And Kurt, you know what I mean by this. You can feel it like, oh, I had it last night with Eddie Kingston. You're like, oh, I got somebody here. I, I found a new, a new dance partner. I found a new toy. So we go through the curtain and we walk through and Vince is like, you smell that? I said, what? He goes, you smell that? I said, what? He goes, that's the smell of money. He goes, that was money. <laughs> and I walked through and I said to Sean, like, would you consider wrestling some more? And he said, up until... 20 minutes ago no but he said how could we not wow. and of course it's december and you're like well i know a place russell <laughs> 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 and uh, uh it was very quickly decided within a few weeks sean decided he wanted to do it and he wanted to do it with me uh and that was the start of it so i mean I, that's my sean michaels experience in, uh, for wrestlemania and here's my favorite part of the whole story a lot of people say that we had the best match in the show. A lot of people say that Kurt and Brock had the best match of the show. Although Sean had the great point of all, he goes, how could their match be better than ours? Brock fucked his own finish up. <laughs> it takes it right out of contention right there. I don't care what you say. So uh, anyways, so they're, they're, they, they were two great matches, yours and ours. And those, but, but, but whether you, whoever stole the show, ours was a great match. And I was in Dick's Sporting Goods trying to buy like a speedo for under tights you know you wear a speedo underneath your your flash flashy tights. yeah yeah and i was looking through the rack and i was looking and just like a bolt out of the blue it was like i need a piece of paper and a pen and i went to the the girl working at the check-in counter can i please borrow a piece of paper and a pen and she's like well i don't have any paper but i can scroll out a receipt roll it and here's your pen we gotta get my pen back yeah i'll give officer here and i i wrote down a finish for the match. And it was very intricate, probably 20 or 30 ideas. And I just had them all at once. Like if that happened and this happened and this happened, and this happened, and this, and it's like, fuck, like I got like very quickly, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I came up with this finish. And then I thought about it, went home and I kind of cultivated a bit. And so I have it. I, I think I got it. Hopefully Sean likes it, but I don't know. I go to uh, uh, Seattle and everybody gets together beforehand to go over their matches and decide what they want to do. And I showed up, uh, we were in the, the dome, uh, by the ring. That's where the, 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 that's where they, we used to meet. And Sean was sitting there and I was sitting there and I said, listen, I, I, you might not like any of this, but I got an idea for the finish. And he goes, that's really funny that you say that. Cause he goes, you might not like any of this, but I have an idea for the beginning. <laughs> I swear, I swear to God, my goodness, we took his beginning, which, I think 95% was like, great. Took my ending, which was like 95% great. And we're like, I think we're done here. Five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Talk about Five minutes, WrestleMania. Yeah, and you WrestleMania. guys got to work each other, which is easy as hell. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like first, a night off. <laughs> the first time we ever touched at WrestleMania, my WrestleMania moment of the, of the best, the best WrestleMania match I had that some people say was the best or second best behind yours, Kurt. And it was done. And that's, 
true professionalism and that's also true chemistry and electricity where it's like dude we're done we don't have to do a damn thing there'll be other guys that you'll have to sit there for an hour to put together a match with and it should never take that long ever 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 but some some nuts you just can't. and you're one of the best at it too kurt you, kurt you had to work with everybody and some right. guys are harder to crack than others overthinking yeah overthinking is the worst enemy i see it all the time in aw it's usually younger guys. They haven't quite found themselves yet. Stop thinking. I'm thinking for you, and I'm telling you this is better. But, yeah, that's one of my favorites. Just I couldn't well, believe it, man. I'm going to tell you this, Chris. You and Sean stole the show at that wrestling. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you. Brock and I couldn't even compare that match. I knew right away when you guys did it. I said, <laughs> well, that, that, that match is five-star. <laughs> I can't touch you. that. It but just you are, it. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah, Chris. No, no. I was going to say, just show, it just goes to show that when you have the right chemistry, it's very easy. You're, you're right, without a doubt. You went in and out of the company, but each time you returned, it seemed like you had more creative control. What was your relationship like with Vince to do that? Well, um, I didn't become Chris Jericho that you know, you're talking to now, whatever you want to say, Um I didn't become the Chris Jericho that, that became a true main event guy until 2008. Because I think that's when I finally became what Vince always saw in me from the start, but didn't think I was quite getting it. And that was the suit and tie, the slow talking. And once again, who am I with? Shawn Michaels. One of the, maybe the best story of my career, if not the best top three for sure. And I'd even go as far as to say one of the best stories in WWE history because it was supposed to go one night and we ended up going eight months and settled it for the world title. Uh, um, but once again, th that was because I tried some new stuff and I just, I left in 2005 and I didn't know if I was ever going to come back. I was done. And my contract was over and Vince and Johnny Ace took me into a room to discuss the next contract. And I could, I could feel the vibe in the air. Um, I, I could feel they were going to ask for me to take a pay cut or whatever it was. And, but, but I was done by then anyways. And I said, listen, before you say a word, I just want to say, I'm not going to resign. Why not? I'm done. I, I'm mentally fried. I'm not going to new Japan. I'm not going to impact. I'm not going anywhere. I'm done. Don't even say a number because I don't want you to think this is about money. It's not, you could offer me a dollar. You could offer me a million dollars. I can't do this right now. So I left for two and a half years. And in that time frame, I really, uh, I wanted to study acting. Uh, I, I mean, of course, listen, if, if Steven Spielberg calls, I'm in, but I wasn't going to become a movie star. I just wanted to learn the craft of acting. Pick it up. What is a hobby? it? Huh? A hobby? Not even a hobby, just to learn like, because I've been playing a character for so long and wrestling is all about your character. Right. It really is. So I wanted to kind of deconstruct that and, and find out what's the crux of acting. What does method acting mean? What does all this stuff mean? So I went to a guy's name is Kirk Baltz and he, uh, he, he was the guy who got his ear cut off in reservoir dogs, Marvin Nash. That was kind of the claim to fame of his, but he was a character actor and you know, we'd acted a bit and we'd done certain things with WWE that put you in a part here and there. You'll do this or do that. But I really, really learned what acting was from, from studying with him. And also at the same time, because I was spending a lot of time in LA, I, I connected with the Groundlings. Now the Groundlings is the most famous improv comedy troupe ever. Will Ferrell was a Groundling. 
Kirsten Wig was a groundling. Phil Hartman was a groundling. Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman was a groundling. Go through the list. They've been, there's everybody. If you're on Saturday Night Live, you've probably been a groundling at one point or another. And I knew a couple of people that worked there through some WWE stuff that we had done. And I just went there and I said, Hey, I want to, I want to join. How do I do this? And they said, they, they kind of put me through the ringer. I was with the groundlings for a year and I was never an official groundling, but I was an honorary groundling because what I did was I would just go in and improv and you're improving. Okay. Kurt and Chris go on stage. Paul, give us a, give us a vegetable. Give me a vegetable, Paul. Uh, tomato. Okay. And give me a, 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 an occupation that Kurt might have. Carpenter. Okay, Kurt, you need to build a house out of tomatoes. And Chris is your assistant who doesn't know how to use a hammer. Go. <laughs> and there's a there, there's a theater full of people and we got to go. Like, oh, there are actually people watching. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> it. So I was really good at that. But okay. what I wasn't good at was the basics because I never trained. So they said, listen, you have the fundamentals. You're great. Obviously, you've improv. Duh, we used to do it every night. Me and Kurt, me and Steve, me and Rock, you'd stand up there for 20 minutes and talk to people after the show and do fun stuff. You need to learn the basics. And that's what I did. So I studied with them. And so when I came back to wrestling, when it was finally time, I understood what acting was. I understood how to drop into a character and I really understood the art of, imp- of improvisation. And if you look at what I did from 2008 until now, it was completely different level of what playing a character is, how to connect with the audience, how to make them love you, how to make them hate you, how to be able to, to, to flip the script. If something isn't going good, if somebody forgets, whatever it may be, if it wasn't for those two years, once again, I don't know if I would be at the level that I'm at now helping to start a whole new company that's changed the landscape. So all of it connected. If you look, it all went the way it was supposed to. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see, all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do? If you had no credit card debt, just like that, it was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments, whoop, they're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt? use some of this newfound equity and at the same time, get you out of debt faster. You see what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes. We're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30 year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now, man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt free. And that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, Hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. 
What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all? Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at SaveWithConrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at ConradReviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's SaveWithConrad.com. And it made you that much better, Chris. It did. Well, thank you, but I felt it. I played that character, that suit and tie super. I was dropped in. That's when I was getting into fights with fans on the street because they believed that I was legit. This wasn't a guy playing a character. They thought I was an asshole. I fought a guy, uh, two people in Victoria, Canada, that was all over the news here. Uh, I fought a guy in uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, I almost got in a fight with a, with, a, with a guy in Madison Square Garden because remember, you used to have to go from the parking lot, which is the dumbest setup oh, ever. Yeah, through the crowd. Park, you got to park up against this in, under, under the a parking garage across the street and walk through the crowd. And I got on the elevator and a guy got on the elevator with his little kid. And he's like, hey, it's Gary. Can you sign for my little kid? And I remember just staring right ahead. Watch the numbers. You know, one, two. Hey, can you sign for my kid? Three. Hey, look, Jerry, you're not going to look at me. And I was like, I'm not looking at this guy. I'm not fucking looking at him. Cause if I sign for his kid, when I go into the garden, he's going to be going, Oh, you're booing Jericho, but he signed for my kid. I want this guy to tell everybody That's this funny. motherfucker didn't sign for my kid. And he was giving me this, come on, come on. And I'm just like, I'm not going to touch him, but if he fucking keeps doing that, I'm going to have to elevator open. And I walked out and he's like, Hey Jericho, you know, go suck your ass. You And the people are like, yeah, Jericho. And it's like, this is great. I got 200 people that already hate me before I even walk. Right, in the building. Right. But it was hard. You've got kids, Kurt. I've got kids. But I was just like, I can't do it because if I sign, that's one less guy that's going to hate me. You know? Playing the heel, it. brother. Yeah. The heel. I never had merch at that time frame. Here's the merch that we, no, no, no merch. What? Vince isn't going to like this. I said, I bet you he will. Go talk to him. If he's any problems, he'll tell me. If not, no merch. Hey, the magazine's doing a fashion photo shoot. You want, no. They want you to, no, I'm not doing anything. Oh. I'm not doing any of it. How are you gonna how are you gonna make money? I'll make my money being in the main event of every single pay-per-view, working every single right. baby face who needs somebody to work with. And for two years, I pulled it off. And you know this, Kurt. It's hard to become a heel. And uh, it, 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 let me rephrase that. It's a lot harder to make people like you than it is to make them hate you. But once they start hating you, it's really hard to keep them to stay hating you because yeah, because they appreciate your talent and they yes. are falling in love with your heel character. You're too yeah. entertaining. Right. So yeah. I was able to constantly adjust it, but I remember I was, I was a, 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 a warped man at the time. I remember coming in the back after the thing and being, because in acting, you drop in, you become something else. You remember experiences of your past that made you feel a certain way. And then when you get locked into it, you are it. And I remember times coming through the curtain and walking to the back. I don't want to fucking talk to anybody. I need to fucking be alone and get, get back up to, to Chris world. And that sounds really pretentious and really, but it's, it's real. It, it really got to me after a while where I was like, okay, the method character was good, but I'm going to leave that for now. 
and go back to just being a character that I can leave at work. But for those two years, I couldn't, I couldn't leave it at work. I, it was a lot of, it was enveloped in me. And when I found out, and I'll say one more thing, when I found out that when Heath Ledger died, he played the Joker in the, in the dark night. If you guys have seen it, it's one of the greatest heel performances of all time. And he died shortly after of a drug overdose. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard from people that are in the know that he he couldn't get out of it. And out of his character. Yeah. Right. So he would take sleeping pills and that escalated to ended up, he died in his sleep. Mm. And I can understand how that could happen, you know, and, and it, I was there. So it was dark. It made money, but it was, it was, it was a weird uh, kind of a little bit uh, lunacy there. You had developed all these great acting skills, improv skills, Chris, but we also know that the WWE is notorious for scripted promos. I'm assuming they gave you a lot of flexibility, did they, at that point, since you were so good at improv? Well, that, that, when I started the, the, the uh, Sean program, Sean and I and Brian Gewertz, uh, another guy that Kurt worked with so well, basically created that program with Michael Hayes. We would get in there every week and we would come up with a couple of weeks. It's the first time I've ever done this. Cause usually you're waiting on Sunday night. Hey, Hey, Ed Kosky, what am I doing tomorrow? Well, here's what we have. Sean and I were like, we can't do that. We need to plan this ahead. So we, we, we had it planned ahead. And I think once Vince saw that, that's when he was like, Oh, this is good. You know, I've, I always, you know, obviously Sean was his, his guy at that point. But I think a lot like Sean, it took Sean a while for him to get there. And it took me a while to get there too. But once I was there, once you get Vince's trust and respect, you don't have to, you still have to talk to him and you still have to convince him sometimes or or tell him your mindset, but it made things a completely different thing. No more written promos. I'm writing them and Vince still has to approve them. But okay. at least I'm the one who's in control. You have control. There you go. Yeah. You still have to fucking get everything approved. You still have a script, but at least I'm writing the script. <laughs> there you go. You have a little bit of control. Yes. I, I got to ask, the last run in WWE, the way it ended, did it sour you on WWE? Uh, yes. And I'll tell you the reason why. I mentioned it before. Um, I was working with Kevin Owens, who was another guy like – like I said, with Sean or, or with, I mentioned Eddie Kingston, where we just had a brief promo in London. And I, I remember thinking, this guy's pretty funny. Like he's got a really good sense of humor. He doesn't look like much because I didn't really know him, but he's pretty, he gets it, you know? And then I saw him work and I was like, well, he's a fucking great worker too. Yes. We did something in London where we, it was just a random pairing or whatever it was. And I walked out of the ring and just as we were getting up to the top of the ramp, I said, I'm the goat because I was using I used goat before anybody else, by the way. I remember I put goat on the back of my trunks because I heard it in a rap song. And Vince asked me, what does that mean? I said, <laughs> it means greatest of all time. He goes, well, that's terrible. He goes, goat. I know. I said, I know. I wish it was rhino or moose or something. But I said, it's a street thing. Can I just use it? He said, fine, but don't ever say greatest of all time. Just say goat and leave it at that. And now everyone's the goat. There's 10,000 goats. All three of us are goats. Yes, there is. Anyways, <laughs> I, followed. Yeah, I said, I said, I'm the goat. And Kevin just kind of faintly said, and I'm the donkey. And he has that French accent. I was like, that's, that's fucking really funny that he just came up with that on the time. So we started this amazing angle where we came aligned and this was in August. And I, I remember saying to Vince, I think we can take this to Mania. He goes, well, that's a long time, Chris. It was actually June. And I said, yeah, but there's chemistry. There's a long way to go. He said, well, let's play it by ear. And lo and behold, we made it to Mania. But 
uh, it bummed me out because we had such a great story and one of the greatest turns of all time in the festival of friendship that nobody saw coming. And like I said, Vince was so into it. He said, we're going to put you guys on as, as the main event, you know, WrestleMania is one or two events. This was, this was still only one night of WrestleMania. You guys will be the main event of WrestleMania uh, for the title because Kevin was a champ and you're going to win the title. I was like, that's fucking cool. And the reason why I thought it was cool is because the story was there. Right. It was the right thing to do. When he changed it to Brock and, 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 and Goldberg, I was disappointed. But once again, what am I going to do? It is what it is. But what really bummed me out is they put us on second. Wow. And as Kurt will tell you, second wow. is it's a death spot. You don't want to be there. Yeah. You don't want to be there. You couldn't put us on first. You couldn't put us on semi-main event. If you wanted us to be the world title match, then give us the spot. And if you can't go last, the best place to go is first. First. And yeah. if for some reason first doesn't work, then semi-main event. There, there you go. Those are your three spots. First, second, to last, last. And to go on second is a real slap in the face. It really is. And it might seem like, oh, what do you mean, Chris? If you look at any card – Second is a hard spot to be in. Yeah. Uh, and more importantly, it's he sent me a message. And that's where I was like, I don't see what else I could do. I felt the same way when I left WCW. I had this great program with Goldberg, the story that I came up with. and Everybody was into it. And Bischoff didn't want to do it. And Goldberg didn't want to do it. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to go with this, they're probably not going to go with anything else that I can think of. And I felt the same with the Kevin thing. I can't go any higher than this. And if Vince sees me as a second match guy, then, then that's where I'll be for the rest of my career. I need to split. And that's what I did. So it was disappointing for me. Uh, once again, not bitter, not angry, no problems, uh, but it was disappointing. But as I've always done, if I don't feel that it's the right place to be, I leave. That's the way to do it. And that's what I did. Well, Chris, you have done something that many never thought could be done. You decided to leave the WWE push out on your own and eventually land in AEW. What are the main differences between the two companies? I mean, I think the, the biggest difference right out of the gate is it's, it's our company. And that's what, that's what really appealed to me to go there in the first place. Cause, Cause I went to new Japan in between WWE and AEW. And I, the first match I had there was against Kenny Omega at the Tokyo dome. And I remember when we did the beatdown angle for it, I got color. Uh, sorry, uh, Kenny got color, and I was like, "This is because we can't do color in, in WWE." And it was like, "This needs this type of of intensity," because right. when you get blood, it's not a bloodbath; it's the intensity that it adds to the to the performances of the players in the ring and to the people watching. Right. Um, and then when we had the match, very similar to the Sean match, I had a whole ending. Kenny had at the beginning, and I thought, "Well, who do we have to tell this to?" Like who do we have to talk to about? He's like, Kenny's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, who's like the agent? He's like, well, there's no agents here. Like <laughs> that's just what we're doing. I said, well, do, Gato is the book. We tell Gato the finish and then we do it. And I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? Creative control. Creative control. And, and more importantly, they trusted me to be an artist right. and let the artists be artists. You got Kenny Omega. He's the top guy in New Japan. You got Chris Jericho who's coming in and business went through the roof when the, when the, when the match was announced, we don't need to mess with you guys. You guys are the, are the, are the pros. So, so anyways, so that kind of made me fall in love with wrestling again, the creative element of it and just the kind of live flying live without a net because not everything is 
connected. You know, like we, we got to tell the cameraman, like nobody knows what you're going to do. Like what? And no one knows what you're going to say. So when AW as a concept came up at first, I was like, I've heard this a million times before. I don't think this is never going to work. You know, and then I talked to Tony Khan and, and realized like that we have a chance here and talked to Kenny and the Bucks because I got really close with Kenny, the Bucks and Cody from New Japan. I was there for two years before AEW started. And then I thought this might work. This this could actually work, you know, and um, lo and behold, it got off the ground really quickly. And it was we were a part of it. It was my company because I knew if this works, this adds to Chris Jericho's legacy. If it doesn't, well... Then I figure out what I'm going to do, but I really want to take a chance. So the biggest difference is the creative freedom, not creative control. Nobody has that. Tony Khan has, has never given that to anybody, but the creative freedom to be a pro Tony gives you the space to, to, to be an artist. And it feels like it's our company. And I think the fans feel that too. We're in this together. And my, and my analogy is I started listening to Metallica in 1984 when no one knew who they were and I stuck with them as they became the biggest band in the world until they became, you know, the, the, the new Rolling Stones where everybody loves Metallica, but I'll always feel a special closeness to them and a loyalty to Metallica because they, we started it together and they're very, they're very open with that too, with their fans. Like we remember, we remember you guys. And I think our fans in AEW feel the same way. Uh, they're not just watching a show. They're part of the show and they believe in it. And as more people come to watch, there's a different vibe and that's what it is. We let the artists be artists. There is a much different vibe, Chris. Yes. Yes. It's uh, it's, exactly. it's absolutely un- unbelievable. Having just been part of the there myself for revolution. Now I got to right. ask you, cause you touched on uh, Kevin Owens and uh, there's rumor that he could have some type of interaction with Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Do you think, what do you think about Kevin? Do you think he's up for this match? Is there anyone else it should be with if Austin does come back? He's the best guy for the job. He's one of the only guys for the job because, first of all, if Steve does come back, he's going to look like a killer. He's going to be so big and so jacked up. It's going to, you know, he's not going to come back and just be there as like, you know, wearing a shirt and shorts or whatever. You know what I mean? He's been preparing Uh, for this, Chris. He's been on a diet for like a year. (laughs) I mean, you can tell because he always told me if I go back, I mean, I don't want to go back as anything less as before. And if I'm going to go back, there's going to be so much training going on that I don't want to come back just for one. So maybe he wants to come back for two or maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe he doesn't come back at all. But if he does, who's he going to work, right? You look and see the guys that are on the roster. He's not going to work with Brock because he doesn't even be getting dumped on his head. And nobody wants to see that. He's not going to work with uh, Goldberg because you don't want to put those guys from the same generation out there because it's. I would never work with, with those. Like I work with other guys because we've seen like i remember when when matt hardy came in it's like we don't need to see a jericho matt hardy match we don't need to see see a jericho christian match we've seen them we need to see you know matt hardy and and sammy and and chris jericho and programs yeah yes so if steve comes in the best guy for the job is kevin owens because a kevin will be able to sell it on the mic he can go toe-to-toe with steve he's got a comedy element to him that Steve has as well. And will probably really have if he comes back, because he can really use that to his advantage, which Kevin will sell perfectly. Can't do that with, you know, with Roman Reigns and Kevin will be able to work with Steve exactly the way that Steve needs and can's work, which it can and can work his best, which is just meat and potato. That's Kevin Owens. Kevin can do some, some flying and flipping and stuff, 
But if you ask him, he'll probably just rather punch and kick you in the corner. And that's Steve's whole, uh, Steve's whole offensive plan. So I think it's a great idea and I would love to see it happen. I still don't know. Yeah, and Chris, don't forget stunner versus stunner. There you go. Yeah. And, and Kevin's been using that for a while because Steve allowed him to. So there's your story. You want a realistic story? You got it right there. And Kevin's also a guy that was that loves the WWF. He grew up, uh, he learned how to speak English from listening to Jim Ross on commentary. I'm surprised he doesn't have a Southern accent. <laughs> so he's got that too, you know? Uh, well, Chris, how proud are you of the growth of AEW and your growth in the company? I'm very proud, uh, Kurt, um, because, like I said, I feel like we're in this together. At the beginning of AEW, um, the company was on my shoulders because I was the only really main event level guy there. But I knew early on, okay, I've got about three months to make as many stars as I can to give as many people the rub because I can't shoulder it for long because it'll crush you. But if, you know, let's reinvent Cody. Okay. Let's get Mox in here and get him because he had re reinvent him too. Who's Darby Allen. Let's do a good match with Darby. Let's do jungle boy. Let's put Scorpio sky. By the time that, that, that we had done three, four months, we had, let's get the elite established. They don't know who the bucks are on a national stage or Kenny Omega. So uh, Sammy Guevara and Santana Ortiz and, and reinvent Jake Hager. We had a lot of guys really quickly that were helping to shoulder the load. So I take great pride in that. And then now as we move along as a company, Kurt, once again, knows this, you can't be on top in a company all the time. You can't, you can't. Cause then people get to cycle in and out. Yeah. Gotta cycle in out. So, yeah. Yeah. So then well, let's get Hangman Page going. Let's bring in Punk and, and Danielson and Adam Cole and Keith Lee. And let's get Britt Baker going. She's another one. Let's bring in, you know, all of these great names that we've brought in that now people are excited to see because we're building stars. And there's one thing they know about AEW is we build our stars. Eddie Kingston. Eddie Kingston got made last night after being on the periphery. You know, that to me is, is I take great pride in that. And as a result, it keeps me fresh and creative and going to where, you know, he's look what he's doing at 51. I haven't never thought of myself as 51. I thought of myself as a guy that was kind of over with the business. Now, not anymore. Now I'm, I'm in the thick of things and I know exactly what to do to continue this momentum going with all of these new guys that we have coming in here because we've done a great job of grabbing a huge fan base but it's only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And that to me is the most exciting thing that I'm so proud of is we did it. We've changed the landscape and it's only just beginning. And you're at the helm of it, Chris. Well, you know, thanks, Kurt. I appreciate that. And I do feel that, like I said, it's my company, you know, it's our company. It's Tony Khan's company. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the box company. It's, it's Kenny's company. Now it's punk's company it's, it's Brian's company. Like these guys came here. Now I will say this. It wasn't as much of a risk for those guys to come. Right. <laughs> Not at that time. Yeah. It was a risk for, for, for me. It was a risk for Mox, for FTR, for, for the late Brody Lee, for guys that came from WWE to here. It was a risk because you never know Kenny and, and the Omega and the bucks. They didn't care. They had nothing to lose. They weren't going to WWE anyways because they, they were enjoying doing things their own way. For us, what happens if this doesn't work? So there was a risk there. The risk is gone. Now people come, come one, come all. You know, we, we, we want to continue this, this momentum that we have. 
Well, uh, Chris, the Owen Hart Cup is soon to come to AEW. Are you participating? And how excited are you see are you to see well, AEW honoring him? I'm participating by proxy in the fact that I helped orchestrate it. I was working with Martha for a, for and Tony, Martha first because Martha didn't trust wrestling companies at first, nor should she. Uh, it took a while to let her know that we're doing this for the right reasons. We're not doing this to capitalize on Owen's name. And it, we're, I pitched the idea at first because I don't want Owen Hart's illustrious, amazing, influential, pioneering career to be defined by the last few seconds of his life. And that's what it is right now. Owen Hart, tragic accident, died young. It's terrible. I want people to think of Owen Hart as the amazing, like I said, influential, legendary performer that he is. I'm in the business because of Owen Hart and a few others, but he was the guy for me. And I'm really, really happy that we're doing this. And I'm happy that Martha feels it and Tony feels it and we feel it and Owen deserves it. Owen Hart figures, Owen Hart uh, uh, video game character. Like all of this stuff is going to happen. And we will now put, put Owen Hart in the same category as Brody Lee in our company as a legendary figure who was taken far too soon, but will never be forgotten ever and that wouldn't have happened if, if 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 we weren't able to to connect with martha the way we did so once again very proud of that and very proud of the fact that it's going to happen and whether i'm actually in the tournament or not i'm in the tournament until the day i die just because i'm so excited that we're doing That's it awesome well i have to ask one more question chris cody rhodes leaving aew what was your reaction to it i was surprised at first but um once again, I go back to Pat. When when Vince Russo left WWE and just a month or two after I got there, and this is when everyone thought that Vince was kind of the head writer, and it was a real shakeup. It was very surprising. Russo's on Nitro. What? He's supposed to be? He's on Nitro. Oh no! What's going to? And Pat said, "I've seen him come and I've seen him go. As long as Vince is here and the guys that are here, he goes. It doesn't matter." And Cody was a pillar of our company when we started, and a lot of people thought that he was the boss. He wasn't the boss. Tony's the boss. He's always been the boss. I think maybe the company changed a little bit for Cody over the last few years, but I was surprised. I really was. Um, but it's business. Yeah. It happens. You know, he's the first big name to leave AEW to. He's not going to be the only big name to leave. So he won't be the only big name. He won't be. Exactly. He's not going to be the only name that, that leaves AEW. And, you know, uh, Danielson is not going to be the only big name to come from WWE to us. Thanks. So it's it just, I am a little surprised. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't show up in WWE and he hasn't yet. But it would seem to me that he's worth a lot to Vince because he's the first one to go there. Right. So it was a little bit of a shock for, you know, a couple hours. And then you realize it's just business. And if he feels that's the right way to go, then God bless him. I thank him for all the work he did in AEW. My first great program in AEW was with Cody Rhodes. And he'll always have his DNA and, and fingerprints in the early years of AEW. Well, Chris, I want to tell you this. I've always thought that Shawn Michaels was the greatest of all time. And I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass, but what you've been able to accomplish in AEW and how long you've been able to have this career, I think that you have taken over as the greatest of all time. Wow. Really have, Chris. Thanks. And I mean that with all my heart. Man. Hey, dude, that you said that on the cruise and it brought a tear to my eye. Dude, I, that means the world to me, man. It really, really does. Because it's something that, that you know, 
and once again, Chris Benoit was was a great friend of both of ours, and and uh, you know, notwithstanding the last few days of his life, a very smart and respectful. And he said, "Because the, the respect of of the fans is important, but the respect of your peers means everything. It's everything. So for you saying that, man, that that means the world in getting you know ten thousand tweets saying it. So." <laughs> right. You know, and, and once again, all I ever wanted to do from day one, October 2nd, 1990 until, you know, March 7th, 2022 was just be the best wrestler I could be and make sure that anybody who pays money to see me do what I do, enjoys it and wants to come back. And that's still my goal. Every single night I go to the ring and some nights I, I try my best and it might not click and other nights. It works better than others, but every single night I try to give people something special. And I'll do that until, until the day that, that I can't. Well, I know you well, Chris, and listen, I want to thank you for taking the time and joining us on the Kurt Angle show. I really do appreciate it, brother. And I love you, man. I love you too, man, Kurt. It's always great talking to you. I loved reconnecting with you earlier this year. And anytime you guys need a guest, if somebody, uh, if somebody big time cancels, just give me a call. <laughs> you my right email now. Hey, you certainly gave us something special today, Chris. This was a fantastic time. Thank you so much. Thank man. you, guys. I appreciate it. Take care, Chris. Take care, Kurt. Talk to you soon, man. All, All right. right. Thank you. Wow, there you go, Kurt Angle. What an amazing that I think that, that might be the best of all that I've been. I was just gonna say this might have been my best podcast yet. I, oh, no doubt about it. Uh, I got goosebumps. Uh, some of that there. So that was this was this fantastic show, and I couldn't be prouder to be a part of it. Kurt sitting right here in Mike Kyoto's room. Here I am with all the memorabilia around and here in Tampa. And uh, but man, Chris Jericho uh, never uh, at a loss for words, but also very candid. And is going to express exactly how he feels. And just you two together in the careers that you've had, the wrestling matches, um, two legends, and uh, just a pleasure to be a part of it, man. So very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Kurt, let's talk about, let's do what we always do, man. Go ahead, reach back for him. Let's get into it after this amazing interview. Let's talk about your chicken snacks, baby. Chicken snacks and snack smart crispy protein bites. One's chicken protein, one's organic plant protein. You can get these at physicallyfit.com. Um, there are 11 different flavors, uh, all incredible flavors. Uh, my favorite is actually right now, sweet barbecue. Oh, I'm going to have to try the, that one from the, um, the, uh, Buffalo wild wing and blue cheese. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the sweet barbecue. It's my new favorite. Oh, and, man. um, if you use the code angle pod on the website, you'll get 20% off or you can become a member and, uh, you sign up as a member on the website and you will get 20% off forever. Forever. That's a long time. So there you go. Check it out. Uh, Angle Pod's the code, and that's where you're going to get the discount. All kinds of variety of flavors. You get the cinnamon swirl if you want a little dessert. If you want uh, some of that uh, you know, buffalo chicken or Kurt's new favorite, that barbecue. That sounds all good, man. And uh, it's healthy. You can't beat it. Kurt, Tom, also where they can find those cowboy hats and get those cameos, right? Uh, the cameo video messages, T-shirts, cowboy hats, uh, milk cartons, birthday cards, you name it. We got it at KurtAngleBrand.com. Go there, uh, put in your request, and I'll send it out to you. And We made it very affordable for everybody. Um, the merchandise is very inexpensive, and I did that to show my appreciation to all the fans that have followed me throughout the years. 
Fantastic. Uh, check that out. KurtAnglebrand.com. Also, check out WildcatBelts.com if you'd be one of those in the rarefied air that owns the Kurt Angle Olympic Belt Championship Belt, that Hero Championship Belt, American Hero. It's beautiful. If you have the video, which, by the way, AdFreeShows.com, you can get this on video, this entire podcast, and you'll see that beautiful belt. You'll also get to see what Chris Jericho was pulling out of the, his back cabinet there, that material that he was showing from that WrestleMania where his picture was on it. So I would encourage you, go to adfreeshows.com, sign up today. You're going to get it all early, ad-free, and on video, plus bonus experiences with Kurt and all the other members of the adfreeshows.com. Kurt, I think that's all the stuff we got to pitch today, man. This has been a fantastic episode. I had a blast today, Paul. Thanks for coming on the show with me and co-hosting. Absolutely. On behalf of Chris Jericho and Kurt Angle, I am Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you again right here next week on The Kurt Angle Show. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.